Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. Uh, I'm, I'm just happy to be 500 career-wise, not against Western. Look, I don't know if you guys have piled on there, but uh, that hasn't exactly been a great series for me to be involved. So. Finally, the hurdle of 2000 and 2007 has been cleared. Iowa and Kirk Ferentz 2-2 two and two against those pesky Broncos, courtesy of 100 points in those last two victories over WMU. Welcome to our live Sunday edition of Eye on the Hawks, recapping that 41-10 Western Michigan uh, defeat to the Iowa Hawkeyes, moving to 3-0. Mitch Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. A lot to get through in a, a game that... Gave us a lot of things that people were waiting for, but still just felt a little wonky. Mm -hmm. You get a rain delay in there because there's lightning just within the, the halo, so to speak. A uh, lot of fun stuff. A lot of, lot of those fun reminders of why this sport is so great, of just cool, joyous moments. Uh, your uh, initial reactions to the win and, and some of those really cool moments. Uh, I've made the executive decision that this is now <laughs> going to be an Iowa field hockey podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I only want to talk about Dion Van Alsom and Esme Gibson from now on, so I hope that our listeners should... Can I interject? Iowa us. soccer, women's soccer, starts Big Ten play today. I think Everyone's we need to start great. with that. It's a fun time to be a Hawkeye. They're, they're, they're nationally ranked too, so shout out to the women's soccer team. Are they ranked now? Yep. What are they? 23rd, I think. Oh, good for them. Doing great. Yeah, it's they're undefeated, I think. They're super, super fun, but we will start with the uh, the football side so, of things. Uh, I, will, <laughs> I will now address my football <laughs> opinions now that I've gotten my field hockey opinions out of the way. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that it was very fun to have a Hawkeye game this year where, you know, the first two games, it's almost like starts great, ends a little bit more slowly, and the fans leave kind of like, oh, boy. But I feel like it was the total opposite, where it was like they yeah, they started slow, and the fans were like, what is going on? And then they end well, and they everybody leaves the stadium with, like, way better vibes. Um, I, you know, my biggest takeaway was that last week I said I would really like to see what this team has to do when they face adversity, when they have to play from behind. And they got Found exactly that quick, yesterday. I, I did not think that test was going to come against Western Michigan, but... It came, and they got it, and they had to play from adversity, and, and they did well with it. First well, time they trailed all season, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, we saw Western start fast against Syracuse and then give up 48 true. unanswered. So, I mean, that's, that's what the Broncos do. Yeah. They talked about they were going to blitz a lot 70% of the time. Cade gets sacked four times, really was running around. So we, we saw a few things from West. Gave up 34 unanswered, I think, yesterday against Iowa because they were up 10-7, and they lost 41-10. to 10, So, yeah, 34. 34, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but a, a ton of fun there. But again, first time we've really seen Iowa kind of get popped in the mouth a little bit. But then the response, huge. Cade McNamara find Deontay Vines, who Cade could not believe that is Cade, uh, Deontay's first career touchdown. But we'll get into that more, too. An awesome moment for a guy who's been banged up. And then, boy, we, we thought it was going to be all about jazz on Saturday. But we still found some boogie. LaShawn Williams, what a day for him. 145 yards on the ground. And then... And Terry Thompson, another guy we're going to get more in-depth about his story, the pride of Hempstead, goes to Iowa Western, gets his grades right, and what a moment for him with the safety. And then Kamari Moulton, true freshman. We don't hear from them in the media a whole lot. He had a lot to say and good reason, too. That's his first career touchdown. And then what a moment here. Cedar Rapids stand up. Max White, fifth, maybe sixth on the depth chart at running back. And Another what a moment they're going to be talking about. First Cedar Rapids kid to have a touchdown for Iowa since another Kennedy kid, Sean Byer in 2020. Before that, I believe it was Keenan Davis. Pocky O'Mara is probably the last Cedar Rapids running back they've had. Uh, of course, Andre Dawson was a walk-on, was a great analyst for the, the Cyhawk version of Eye on the Hawks. Um, Alan Reisner, a Marion kid. But just, yeah, those, uh, those Metro kids, just really cool moments. And... Uh, Great to see the offense go out, but it was really, again, that rushing attack. Not just LaShawn, but Kamari getting in there. T.J. Washington had uh, a couple carries. Great to see him out there. Jazz, it sounded like maybe a little banged up there in the second half, but again, he was the star last week against Iowa State. He came in, had some good reps before Boogie went in and uh, really made it a wonderland out there. But from the offensive line to Kirk to LaShawn, who had some great sound bites as well, uh, everybody super happy about the domination uh, that we saw from that running attack. Let me get the stats real quick before we go to that bite. I should have planned better. Mm. 43 rushes for 254 yards. And again, that includes the four Cade McNamara sacks. We'll talk about his day in a little bit, but a huge day for them on the ground. One that it really feels like they needed. I wonder, this is almost an impossible research task to do, but to look at the last time 
the Hawkeyes had three different players score their first career touchdowns <laughs> in the same game. I mean, it's a, it's a fun little nugget for all those guys, for Max and for Deontay and for um, Moulton to get their touchdowns in that first game. It was a day of first. He throwing Thompson's safety to and what a cool first <laughs> yes. moment that was for him. But again, the run game, people pretty happy about what they saw in the trenches. Um, offensively, you know, we got it going with the running game, so that felt good, and it opened up a couple other things late in the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really exciting. Once we got, you know, we were like 200, and then we're getting to 250. Is that where we stopped? I think somewhere around there. 51. Yeah, 51, something like that. You know, next is 300. So, so yeah, it's next man up. But I mean, we got a we got a lot of backs in the room, as y'all can see. I feel like we got a real stable. We stacked it. We got a lot of talent. I feel like we all know next man up, and anything can happen at any any moment. So when we get the opportunity. Y'all got to take advantage. The O line. I can't take credit for that. I mean, the O line. They they did a. I'm not gonna say the word, but they did a, a great job. <laughs> I mean, any of y'all could have ran through them holes, but so I ain't gonna take credit for that. So yeah. One thing about this year, it's a little bit more realistic to think that we can maybe start playing the way we like to play or have liked to play in, in the past. Uh, the last two years, we've had our challenges up front. Uh, we're not there yet, but we're certainly a more mature uh, group just overall, uh, phys physically, but also mentally up front. Then um, I'm anxious to see the film. So yeah, the execution must be a little bit better today. I think when we were, at least from my perspective, when we were talking about the offense is really close, a step away. I think we were more about the passing attack, you know, just the balls thrown a little, little too far, a little too short. Shame on us for not thinking the rushing attack is maybe one block away from really going off. Again, eight different ball carries, if you include Cade, had the four sacks, had a nice little scramble. We'll talk about his health and, and his situation a little bit. But, boy, yeah, that's the game that, we, apparently they were on the precipice of going off just in a way maybe we weren't fully expecting. Yeah, it's true. And and uh, not to mention just the fact they had eight ball carriers, but they did it without the guy who I thought was going to be the offensive Caleb. MVP this year. Caleb Johnson wasn't even playing in that game. And I was I, I literally before the, the, the two-hour uh, report came out of who's in, who's out, I was going to say, hey, we've talked all about Jazz. Caleb Johnson's still on this team. Like, wait for him to go off. And then, oh, he's out, and he has been out basically since the end of the Iowa State game, it sounds like. So it uh, sounds like it'll be a day-to-day, week-to-week thing for him. But just uh, such an awesome moment. Uh, Mike, as always, A, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got highlights all over the place. And if you're listening to this later, go to YouTube and, and watch all the highlights we've got. But Mike's got a great photo gallery up on iowasnewsnow.com. I've told you this in, in private, too. It's so cool to see your your camera eye, your lens eye really developed. Mm -hmm. You've got some awesome shots, but um, you had a great view of so many of these rushes too. And just w what a fun day and, and what this offense really feels like they needed it. It's Iowa. You got to ground and pound sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And can you tell the audience what I said on the, on the drive down? Do you remember about the rushing attack? You said something. And I, I said, you know, I think it might be the LaShawn Williams game. You did. Yeah. You really? Can. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I was just throwing it out there. I wasn't really That's making impressive. that prediction. Again, it's, but I always got this wealth yeah. of running backs. I, I am I am impressed with that uh, that hot take that you had before the game, just because I'd been a little bit underwhelmed by Lashawn over the first couple of games. He he hadn't done much compared to his counterparts in Caleb and, and he had a couple so. drops. Uh, yeah. the first two games, one of them first week was could have been for a touchdown. Um, but I mean that screenplay. We'll hear from him later on that screenplay because yeah. um, the blocking was was perfect, especially from the receivers down the field. But yeah. Um, yeah Great, great play from him though to get all those yards. He had a long touchdown run in the in the fall scrimmage on Kids Day. Just Sean Williams been around a while and always every once in a while seems to have that reminder of like, hey, Four's still here and he's doing his it's, thing. It's interesting since the start of this podcast, we've had different conversations about the deepest part of the Iowa lineup. We've talked a lot about the secondary being super deep. Uh, John Steppy was in talking about how deep the defensive line is. I mean, the linebackers we've touched on, tight end room, obviously deep. I think we know that. Um, we hadn't ever hardly mentioned the running back room, and I mean, it's possible that it was just a product of playing Western Michigan, a lower-tier max squad possibly, but still, boy, that running back room starts to look awfully deep and awfully dangerous if somebody goes down. And maybe part of it is that they blitz 70% of the time. Those guys are running past you, and you're able to just slip by and pass them like I don't have the numbers there. on me, but I think a couple beat writers brought it up previously. I remember seeing it a lot, though. Like, do you guys think they're running more more counters and more more traps than, than they feels, generally yeah, there's do? A little more, there's a little more swing in one side. And I the see other, a lot of is, pulling is guards and, and pulling used tackles. Be, used to be a lot of power, but yeah, you're seeing a little more. You know, Colby's swinging out a little more um, from the left to the right as well. Uh, whatever they're doing, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I also got a little bit of Hawkeye trivia if you guys want to go oh, running back. Well, trivia in a while. This is courtesy of Matt Benson. I I, I didn't look this Matt up. Benson, yeah. um, 
So Kamari Moulton scored two touchdowns on his debut. He's the first Hawkeye running back to score their opening two touchdowns in the same game since. I, I saw this. Oh, um, you did? It's Jewel Hampton, right? Yeah, Jewel 2008, 2008 season yeah. opener. Dude, Jewel, Jewel was a dude. Ended he up, was, uh, yeah. Ended up transferring to Southern Illinois and finished off. But boy, and that was a three-headed running attack. I think going into 09, it was him, uh, Adam Robinson, and, and Brandon Wager, who we've mentioned a couple of times in the pod. That was a group that you're like, oh boy, they're, they're going to cook a little bit. And I think Jewel got hurt in 09, something like that. But yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. He, he had a big debut in 08. Was that against Maine? Did they open yep, Maine. The main black bears. How do I remember this stuff and I can't? Well, that was my freshman year, so that's why I remember it. That was my first like game as a student. So I think I, I went there early and, and got there one of the first three rows. So <laughs> they need good times. more main matchups. Bring back Kirk's <laughs> initial coaching stop. Bring them over here. Keep yeah. bringing it in. Support the main. All right. Well, we talked about the running attack, but again, a super cool first and a day of first for the passing game. Deontay Vines, we have talked about how much this dude has been through injury-wise and just been fighting to not just get on the field, but just be healthy for practice or anything else. First career touchdown for him, and what a great throw it was from Kate as well. Uh, I don't know if you want to throw that, that video up again, Mike. I, I threw like 20 different videos at Mike, and hopefully some of them. Do you want to hear from Kate first? I got that, that pulled up. We can, it, and we, can, yeah. we can come out and watch the video. We'll do that. So, again, Cade apparently just assumed if this guy's been in the program this long, he's got to have a tutty or two. Um, bit of a revelation after he crossed the goal line there. <laughs> I thought he was joking when he told me it was his first touchdown. I was like, there's no way, dude, you're joking. He's like, no, yeah, I've played eight games. That's my first touchdown. I was like, dude, that's insane. Like, you know, I'm so happy for you. Like, if like, he scores touchdowns in practice all the time. So, you know, for him to, you know, finally get one and, you know, I own I, I one after last week. So for, you know, him to find the end zone, that was awesome. Is that better than dinner then, finding dinner? It's definitely better than buying him dinner, you know, but I still got to buy him dinner. <laughs> yeah, that was that Iowa State throw. So here's the moment again. Um, and I, a bit of an insight into to Cade McNamara and who he is. He's more worried about the people he's playing with rather than, like, their numbers and their statistical history. I mean, he's just happy to see Deontay healthy and doing his thing in practice and, and not worrying about where he is in the record books. But, man, that's, again, just an awesome, awesome moment. And uh, we didn't get to talk to Deontay afterwards in the post game but he's usually there on tuesday media availability and i i bet he'll just be beaming if he's there again uh, yeah he's he's a fun guy to talk to always has something interesting to say he's he's a guy who's just very open and congenial with the media and yeah going from two games ago the season opener after we've been talking him up you know had zero catches against yeah. Utah state you know one catch last week against iowa state now gets that first touchdown this week and again he's so proud of where he's from one of the 203 boys him and nico ragiani i didn't realize this uh against utah state until i saw the 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 pregame introductions on Saturday, both of them mentioned the 203 in their like in their jumbotron intro. So they're so proud of where they are, and I know the 203 stand up for Deontay. <laughs> after that, speaking of him, uh, when he's not catching passes and first career touchdowns, apparently he is downfield blocking like nobody's business. He was the one who really helped spring uh, Lashawn's screen touchdown again, and uh, Lashawn did not. Uh, did not ignore that fact and had some great analysis on what he saw when he caught that screen from Caden and looked ahead downfield. Uh, so I was looking, I seen a backer sitting right there. I was gonna like bluff him cause he was coming, but he ran into the lineman so he helped me. I was like, all right, cool. So I caught the ball, he came through a little nice little lob pass to me, I caught it. And I looked down the field, I was already pacing a little bit. I'm gonna cut back, I'm gonna score him. But then I'm looking, I see Vines down there, Deontay Vines, like I guess, shout out to him. Whatever he was doing to that corner wasn't nice. He was literally killing that man over there. I mean, so at the end of the day, I got to give props to Vines, and I was just like, it was just that. It was easy. (laughs) It was money. I don't think Deontay was committing any sort of homicide. We should just probably (laughs) clarify that. But, yeah, whatever he did, I mean, Again, this is Iowa football. Your your yeah. receivers are gonna. You saw him all the way down the goal line. He he blocked him twenty yards downfield. So I mean, that's it's hard to tell on that on on our shots because we were on the on the field. Sure. But on the replay, the first thing I noticed, I think I was sitting next to Owen at this time. I was like, dang, Deontay's blocking. Like right when he catches the ball, he Deontay's at the goal line blocking, and he holds the block for like five seconds. Yeah, I, I had a nice shot of it just because it was coming right towards me. Yeah. But it really was kind of the quintessential Iowa play that could be summed up so well where it's like just a swing pass out to a running back logan jones was just like right next to him not even hardly needing to make a block but just like kind of providing that 
that separation, that space that he needed to the side of him. And then you've got Deontay, just a receiver at the goal line, just blocking somebody up, waiting for him to kind of come up behind him. And that's that's the only reason he scored the touchdown was because Deontay had that guy blocked at the goal line. It's a reminder of – that's a great play call by Brian Ferentz, by the way. We'll talk about numbers and contracts or whatever later. But I mean, but it shows that you can get a great play call in, but if you don't execute it, all 11 guys doing their job, it's not going to pan out. When all 11 hit it, you're going to get a really cool play and a really cool moment for Boogie on a big day for him. Let's talk a little bit more about Cade. Uh, obviously, kind of the crown jewel of the recruiting class, so to speak, coming into 2023. 9 of 19 yesterday, 103, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Now, this one... Don't blame him. Damari Roberson, that's, that's just having stick him on your hands, apparently. That's a, an incredible play there. And then end of the first half, looking for Seth, and, and Henry Lovey's, Lovely is a, uh, an all-mat corner, and that's just a great play. And then Sachs, again, we talked about the pass protection. This is as healthy. We talked about this on Wednesday, too. Cade said it's as good as he's felt since going down on Kids Day. Now he's got uh, a little more health. We, he saw him moving around a little bit more. I'm strangely encouraged. I, I could argue that maybe in terms of just playing football, mm. and that's kind of vague. Like this might have been his best football game of like moving around. Because mm -hmm. he, he's obviously looking downfield and looking to make plays. And I think he's excited about, and Kirk alluded to this too, of just like, listen, he, he hasn't played a lot in a while and he's getting these opportunities now and he's kind of feeling himself out in terms of what he can do and where he can look and where he can throw and was dealing with a lot of pressure. We talked about that on, on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. I feel like he was finding his footing and this is, I suppose, the opportunity to do it. I do have, let me pull out the phone now because I got more stats. So I wanted to compare him three games into his Hawkeye tenure compared to what we saw um, from Spencer three games and not comparing them as, as People are, these are just the numbers. I'll get into why I don't really care about numbers, even though I'm looking at numbers here uh, later in the show. So three games into 2022, uh, Iowa's quarterback play was 37 of 77, 48% completion percentage for 376 yards, one touchdown, two picks. That's an average of 4.88 yards per attempt. That's not great. Cade is 38 of 71 for 54% for 470, 417 yards, four touchdowns, three picks, Yards per attempt at 5.87, so just about one yard full um, more per attempt. Now, that completion percentage and yards per attempt for Cade are about where we saw in 2022 for the entire year between hmm. Spencer, Alex, and Joey. That was a big thing we talked about coming in of, you know, Cade, hey, he's going to get his completion percentage up. He's going to, you know, have probably more yards per attempt just based on what we had seen during his time at Michigan. We haven't seen that, but strangely, even though those numbers aren't where we want. Doesn't it feel like Iowa's passing attack is just better? Mm -hmm. Just you, I, Whether it's eyeball test or the fact that there's four passing touchdowns through three games, we saw seven in 13 games last year. It's just things look different. They look better, just, even though the numbers aren't eye-popping. No, just naturally, he seems more capable. Um, you just feel more comfortable. Like, all right, e even if there's a time where things aren't going well, even if Cade throws a couple of picks, I did not feel that despair. It's not like people were booing him or people were really getting down on him because I think that everybody for certain knew, like, dang, those two interceptions were incredible catches by those defensive backs that got him. Yeah. There's almost, I mean, not to say, you know, every quarterback could do better and not throw that pass, but, um, to you know, those are not entirely on Spencer, or not on Spencer, not on um, Cade to have thrown those just because they were great catches. By the way, it was cool to see Spencer out there. Obviously, he's, you know, kind of a... GA assistant mm -hmm. type role. He was out there throwing some warm ups. I mean, the shoulder, I mean, I, he, he's not going to go throw pads on or anything this Put year, him in. but it was just, it was, again, a great Hawkeye. This is, this is where you put stats to the side. Just a great dude, and it's great to see him at least healthy and be able to even just play catch out there compared to where he was in November. I just want to touch briefly on one of my favorite plays of the day that Kay did and um, goes largely unnoticed in the grand scheme of things. It was in the first quarter, maybe on the first or second drive. He had a scramble, and he scrambled and gained, like, you know, yeah. 10 yards or something. And I think he'd, you know, easily gotten the first down. It was, you know, a short yardage situation. But, like, at the very end of the play, right before he runs out of bounds, he, like, reaches the ball out to get one sure. extra yard yeah. on there. And that's something that I see very few quarterbacks do or any players do. And I've always wondered, why don't more people do that? You see that at the goal line when they try to reach over the pylon, but, like, 
he did not need one more yard for a first down, but that's one extra yard closer down the field that he's able to get the team. That's just like a very heads-up, smart play by a quarterback like that. I, I think I've seen it more and more, but yeah, it is still, you're just like, why doesn't it happen on every single play where they're <laughs> yeah, out Yeah, reaching. It, it helped out a little bit, but again, again, I don't know if it's just because Kate is getting his mobility back or just some of the throws he makes. Again, that throw to Deontay where he's kind of, his arm's almost to like 45 degree and he just zips it in. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it looks better. The numbers are a little better, and I, I think as he gets more uh, healthy, he'll be, the, be getting better as well. The four sacks are a bit of a concern, certainly. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know if that was they knew that those guys were going to be coming hard, as as we alluded to earlier in the week. But he, I mean, so I don't know if four sacks would be expected, but they maybe knew that there was going to be a lot more pressure than they are normally going That's, to face. And they even even the four sacks could be a little bit like deceptive because I think everybody knows that. Really, it was three sacks. I mean, that first sack where he went down, he did get the ball off in time, but they aren't able to review that yep. play, and so they couldn't, you know, just wipe that sack off the board. Yeah, it it definitely is concerning, especially when you got Penn State, who's got some better pass rushers than you'd imagine. Western Michigan, yeah, um, has coming along, and then the Big Ten season starting. Um, but you know, I haven't been able to to rewatch the game yet. But I wonder if the pressure was was the reason for that. And me and Mitch were talking on the way back that I think kind of. During those sacks, Cade was holding on to the ball. So I don't think it's necessarily 100% on the offensive line on every single sack. Um, he was trying to make a play, and he kind of alluded to the fact that, uh, or I think Kirk did, that he was trying to do a little too much on certain plays. But I do agree that the passing game looks a lot better than last year, even if the the stats are the same. There's just throwing to receivers. There's little things. Uh, I think he's throwing the ball away more, so the completion percentage probably goes down. Uh, on he actually that. has less. He has six less attempts hmm. compared to this time. Oh, really? I, th- I think it's just the, the, the types of throws. I think downfield attempts. The fact that he's just moving in the pocket. Again, like... We haven't seen a uh, third and four ball going three yards. So he, he likes to go downfield, and that's going to... The completion percentage isn't going to be as high when, when you're that kind of quarterback. I think when you combined Western blitzing a bunch with a dude who I, I think was looking for the first time able to move this season, or at least as, as good as he has in about a month, was looking for opportunities. I think that lent itself again to, to your point of, of four sacks, of him holding on the ball, looking for opportunities, and then, and then having to take. And maybe he knew they were going to rush for 280 yards and just like, oh, I can, help. I can afford this. This is fine. Um, back to the rushing attack again, though, because, again, one of the best moments we'll have all season and on a day full of awesome moments Max White from Cedar Rapids Kennedy, uh, you followed him around after the game and saw just the outpouring of just joy. Uh, dude's fifth or sixth on the depth chart, was a stud at Kennedy, has bided his time, has been a great scout team dude for the Hawkeyes, gets in yesterday for his first career score. Kind of walk us through what you, you put together here because this has been blowing up on Twitter, deservedly so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I only know the Whites peripherally. I didn't cover Max in high school. I wasn't here yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've talked to Brian just a little bit and I've covered Kennedy some. And so when he scored that touchdown, I'm like, oh, hey, like, good for him. That's cool. I just knew he was kind of a bench guy that's not going to see the field a lot. So I'm like, oh, that's neat. But um, it was only after the fact when I saw, like, just the celebration that happened in the end zone, just like, carried over to the sideline and everybody's still celebrating and Cooper's going up to him and like, ah, you did it, you know, saying other swear words that, you know, we can't repeat on a podcast that maybe <laughs> Nico Ragaini could repeat in person. But Hello. Uh, <laughs> but just like the, the celebration lasted from that point to like very end of the game and then through as they were swarming off the field, everybody was rallying around Max and celebrating awesome. him. It was um, the perfect way to end that. I, I know there's been talk about like, oh, you know, why are you, why are you scoring late in the game? We'll have a, a side about that as well. But like, why not? Yeah. Like that's what it, that's when you take the stats out. Here's a moment for a kid who busts his tail mm-hmm. and deserves a bit of shine. I, the only Arguably thing that the I, loudest roar in Kinnick was, was that last touchdown. I, the only thing that I wish I would have gotten cuz I know that I saw Kennedy football tweeted earlier in the day that his his younger brother Calvin White was there on the sideline as like a recruiting visit. Oh, cool. That day. And so I'm sure that Brian was yeah, in the building, his dad, cool. who's a Kennedy coach. And so I wish that I would have been there when Max comes out and sees I his I heard family. you say, where's Brian? Where's Brian? <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted to see that interaction because I'm sure that was a beautiful moment, you know, where Brian had to be so emotional seeing that. But it's so, yeah, as we say, like Brett McMurphy, I think, had a tweet early in the day. Not that I hold, Brett's a great reporter. And so he wouldn't have known the backstory, but he was like, oh, geez, that's so funny. You know, they're just running up the score so they can help uh, Brian's contract. And, you know, you just don't know the backstory behind, like, no, they're, like, you know, wanting to get this kid Max a touchdown, you know, get him on the field because 
there's so many kids like this out there who, um, you know, he comes to Iowa. He knows he's not going to be an NFL player one day. I, I, I mean, he's just not going to be seeing the field a ton. He's not going to be a starter. But, like, he comes to Iowa because he loves the Hawkeyes and he wants to be here. And so to see a kid like that who comes here just for the sake of wanting to wear the black and gold, to see him get a touchdown in his career, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. That's, like, one of the best on-field moments that we're going to see all year. It's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? Here's Owen's uh, recap of Max's big day and the joy that exuded from there. Max is a guy who walked on here, had chances to go other places and, and uh, receive aid, but uh, came here. He works extremely hard in practice and just is uh, playing on special teams, doing a really good job right now. So the guys are really happy for, uh, like, you know, I know it's got a little cheer from the crowd when that happened. Uh, the guys that don't get to play a lot, it's, it's a lot easier if you're out there playing, but the guys that are doing all that work to see them get rewarded is a pretty cool thing. I was just telling them how, how proud I am of him. Um, you know, he's he's my roommate. Uh, he's he's a guy who who comes in every every single um, you know day and, and just works his tail off no matter the circumstance. You know, he's a guy on, on scout team who gives us a, a great look week in and week out. Um, so I was I was just really proud of him. Max is a workhorse. I mean, that dude, he's got like a, his six pack is about as sharp as it could be. He's he's straight military. You know, he shaves his head. He's a hua all around. Um, you know, he hangs around Coop, so he's around greatness a lot of time. But you know, he's not exactly one or two on the depth chart. But for him to get in the end zone just means a lot for this team. He's been working for this his whole life, and just to see that pay off, you can get that moment for him was awesome for the twos and everybody. Fourth and one, you know, we're going for it. We're not we're not kicking a field goal. He's just one of those guys in the locker room that he works so hard. And, you know, whether he's on scout team or whether he's running in with the ones today, he is just a truly team first guy. And everyone notices his effort, his energy during conditioning. You know, like he's he's out there, you know, trying to have positive energy and get everyone to continue working hard. And he's just just a, such a team guy. So for him to have some individual success, I think the entire team embraced that. And, you know, we're just extremely excited for him. I love that moment at the end too, the fact that it's this walk-on six stringer and Caleb Brown, who's, you know, such a heralded recruit and he got his first career touch uh, yesterday as well on a reverse, which was cool to see, but just like the dichotomy of how you enter a program, your expectations in college, you know, Caleb, from the moment he committed, has just been like, okay, this kid could do everything. You know, he's got a long road. He's still learning how to be a wideout, but we've seen the flash. And here's a kid who just wants to play for this team that he probably grew up rooting for. Mm -hmm. And, like, what a beautiful moment that is. And, again, the, sh the shrug, I'm guessing he was looking up at his folks or mm -hmm. somebody knew and just, like, you know, I'm – I'm guessing he didn't wake up Saturday morning thinking, I'm going to score a touchdown. Yeah. The way that I, I mean, the way I presented it in my tweet was that, like, you know, I've, I've known Cooper for a while. I covered him when I lived in my former market. And so he was a sophomore in high school when I first kind of started noticing him and doing interviews with him. And he's always been so, I mean, soft-spoken and just, like, very, you know, quiet, so quiet. and reserved. And, like, he just does not get excited or excitable about anything. But, like, when I saw him on the sideline, like, shaking his helmet and, like, getting up in his face, I'm like, I've... <laughs> never seen Cooper as excited as he was yesterday when he saw his roommate and one of his best buddies, Max, score a touchdown. Something that, I mean, who knows how many more carries Max White is going to get this year, but, you know, that's a moment that that kid's going to remember, you know, for the rest of his life. It's cool yeah. to see the human side of this, you know. When you're well, a fan, a lot of times you just see the helmet, the jersey, mm -hmm. but when you, you know, when you get it, listen to the players and stuff you, you get to see like the emotions and you know i didn't even know they were roommates before before today i don't know if you guys did but you know just shed some light on who they are as people i, I knew they were good friends because um kennedy's first game of the year was against dowling on a saturday um, before the that's right they were there and so max of course is on the sideline because his dad's the coach and kennedy grad but he brought um cooper jean with him and uh nick jackson and is who, joe there yeah i think joe evans was the other guy that was there again you know, on Tuesday talking to, to Joe and Jay about Ethan Herkett, going back to him and, you know, just having a huge moment in the Seahawks game, another Cedar Rapids mm, kid. True. Just true. watching them be so excited for each other. Again, like, you put on the helmets, you throw numbers on their back, and you throw out stat sheets, and people, it's really easy to diminish people to just their numerical achievement. Mm -hmm. They're human beings, they're kids still, yeah. I mean, 18 to 22, 23. Western had a kid who's in college for eight years, so maybe closer to like 24, 25. <laughs> but like, it's just fun to see people. It, Kirk always draws the parallel. How do you win 201 games now? You surround yourself with good people. And 
it's maybe it's cliche and I'm from Iowa and I'm an Iowa grad, but you surround yourself with good people who want to do good things for other people to see cool moments. You get moments like that, that they, they don't show up on stat sheets or record books, but that's again, cliche hallmarky. It's kind of what it's all about folks, making memories. Yeah. Pretty neat. How do I transition? Oh yeah, the contract thing, the points. So anyways, <laughs> that last touchdown uh, made 41 points for Iowa, which means the ticker, that. 28.3 points per game through three. All is well. Um, there were some questions, again, you alluded to uh, the McMurphy tweet of just piling on and get out That's of That's exactly what I thought when it happened. Let me rephrase that. I didn't think that they were running up the score for the contract. I said, this is what people are going to think. Sure. Because the twos are in. You know, you're getting some people some reps that don't normally get it. Max gets a touchdown. But I'm like, oh, people are just going to see they, they, they ran the ball. You know, a lot of times Kirk will just need the ball. Need, yeah. you know, Did against need Utah it. State. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's why I was so stunned. I, like, could not believe that they were actually taking a shot at the end zone, letting Deacon throw it and going for it. I mean, again, Utah State, they could have done the exact same thing, and they chose not to. They just let Deacon kneel it out. But this one, they were like, all right, let's let these guys go for it. It was a fourth down that Max scored that touchdown, so, like, they were they were going after it. Yeah, it was, yeah such a cool moment. But Kirk was asked, I think it was the final question, the pressure, of just, hey, that late touchdown, what what's the genesis of it? Uh, so here's his answer to that. Just, yeah, we're, they were strictly second team guys, and we're, we're going to let them play. So, you know, and, and Deacon's worked hard. Uh, we're, we're curious to see how he's going to operate a little bit, too. Uh, not that we were, you know, Eric Deacon, but uh, gave him a chance to cut, throw a couple in there. And, um, you know, just want to let our guys play. And the guys up front, too, you know, it's talked about the front line. At least our backup line. Now we can put five guys out there and not, not exact, uh, expect a disaster. We've uh, had that situation before, too. So it was kind of looked like they knew what they were doing. It's, that's how they've been in practice. So it's good to see. And we'll talk to Reagan about Air Deacon shirts in 2024. <laughs> and again, I alluded to it, like Deacon getting more reps with the, the ones or games reps in this case, like he could be your guy in 2024. Mm-hmm. So the more Film study you get on him, the better. But just, uh, yeah, just a super cool moment. Um, final thoughts just on the offense before we move ahead. Uh, yeah, not to dwell on Air Deacon, but uh, I don't know. We need this, to. This, this is not a Nike-sponsored podcast. I know both Mitch and I have oh boy, yeah. as did Kirk Ferentz there, but uh, we have no yeah. we have no skin in the game for I Nike. Just, I like this color. Yeah, yeah. It's dark blue. Navy blue is kind of my color, too, so I there just stick go. with this one. I need to. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the offense eventually, you know, they, they finally woke up and showed us what, you know, fans have kind of been waiting for all season um and i mean that was a fun moment where i don't think it's quite gonna make bad beats uh for scott van pelt but it was funny that like yeah that very last play they finally cover both with points total and um, yeah the spread my final thoughts on the offense again i think we touched on it like encouraging second half encouraging throughout the game well not throughout the game little concerning that it took him a while to get into things little concerning that he had four sacks so those are two things that we'll have to look forward, especially with the biggest test of the season uh, coming up next. Absolutely. Well, we turn from the offense to the defense again. Uh, boy, you don't see this defense give up a 65-plus yard play for a touchdown in the first quarter, first points. Uh, I believe Iowa had given up in the first quarter, at least first touchdown. Hmm. Uh, but the defense really back in the second half, bouncing back. Joe Evans with the sack there. Uh, boy, just a steady, stalwart, strong presence on the D-line all season, and then some really cool moments here. Uh, this is Nick Jackson, finally didn't have to drop back and pass coverage so much uh, yesterday. He had some big moments, forced the fumble there. And then he and Jay Higgins, or that's, um, excuse me, Llewellyn, uh, had a couple really nice plays. I almost had the fumble recovery on the play earlier. But then Nick and Jay, who are, what a dynamic duo they are on this scramble. Nick ties him up, and then Jay comes in and punches that ball loose. Jeremiah Pittman, big play for him. We've heard so much about him. Going into the preseason in these first couple weeks, a huge moment for him. Uh, that was super, super cool to see him get the fumble recovery. Uh, this defense just really started to pick it up. And I think, yeah, Ethan Herkett, I had to get one more one more shot of him in there. But, he gets um, nice tackles. Great to see that. Dude, dude hits hard. He practices hard. You heard Seth Wallace. Everybody <laughs> needs to practice like Herkett. So here's uh, the defense on that slow start and why they weren't too worried about things once they got it straightened out. I think... We kind of came out a little, a little flat, um, you know, in, the, in that first quarter, um, and then, then finally got it going there in, in the third quarter. I wouldn't say anything changed. I feel like we just kept doing our job. Um, I mean, we got we got in a, a run, and I think we were trying to do too much, and then everybody figured out that 
maybe Coach Parker knows what he's doing. So if we all just do what we're supposed to do, we'll be all right. The game plan didn't change. We we literally we looked at each other and said, guys, let's just do our job. Um, I mean, we didn't make any new calls. We didn't get any new personnel. It was player player driven that something needed to happen, and um, I, we just focused on making sure our effort and literally doing our job was was that uh, focus for us. I am happy the way uh, our guys did respond. It was a you know, not the kind of start we had hoped for, certainly, but I think they fought through some things and. Uh, one thing about football, you know, it's a full 60-minute game. Always has been, always will be, sometimes more than that. And that's, that's why you play the full 60. And uh, Before we get too much into discussing, one item that I just realized that through three games, Iowa has not allowed a rushing touchdown. Is that right? All their, pass, yeah, well, all their yeah. touchdowns three, passing, three passing so touchdowns. Got to say that for them at least. That's wild. Um, I think this is not exactly what you want before Penn State, but... Iowa really needed, we, we'd seen the fast starts, you alluded to this too. You get hit in the mouth, you're kind of staggered, you've got the delay, the, the weather delay that we'll talk about in a bit too, but nothing really was on schedule, everything was a little off kilter. That can, uh, to a, a, a weaker team, not just physically but mentally, that can, that can shake you, you get off course and, you're, and you spiral the rest of the game. I think it was important to see Iowa deal with, and Cade talked about this too um, for an earlier game, just dealing with adversity. I think he talked about it for Utah State. It's, you know, you can frame it as concerning. I mean, yeah, there's stuff to clean up. It's still early. We're still in September. But when you're not at your best and you can still pull off what they did yesterday, that's that's why I leave this and, you know, it's 3-0. It's not exactly, it's 3-0. That's perfect. It's maybe not the, the prettiest way. Mm-hmm. But you've you've seen the struggle and you've seen them persevere and get through and and finally like end super strong like that's that's encouraging to me in a big way. Yeah, this is exactly what I mean. They even talked about after the fact that this could be a trap could have been a trap game yeah. for them and and maybe even it looked like that in the first quarter first quarter and a half. Um, but yeah, again they rallied and there's another team in our great state that did not rally after getting punched in the mouth by a MAC team and is now one and two. Um, on their record. And so the fact that I was able to rally and was able to come back and get kind of gut checked early and have um, Parker, you know, not really light into the defense during <laughs> the weather delay, as they told us. Um, I mean, they, they found a way because I think I said this to Mike that I was like, gosh, if these guys don't get another touchdown before halftime, like this crowd is like going to lose it. <laughs> I mean, they, the first quarter and a half, their offense looked very unimaginative, looked very flat and their defense was getting worked i mean they looked bad in the first quarter and a half like they were just getting toasted yeah. it seems like on every play i mean the quarterback sneaks it's like you know kirk said it too it's like we've never seen a quarterback sneak before that quarterback quarterback was running all over him um you know just I don't know. like a simple read option to the to the right yeah. like they did yeah. it three times in a row and got like 30 yards on it i don't know i mean there was discussion about whose fault it was that got beat on the touchdown pass if that was jamari's fault or xavier's um my gut was that it was just a hole in the zone. Like yeah. I know Jamari was. I, I don't know if Jamari was supposed to be in the flat and X was supposed to be out top, and they just found that mm-hmm. gap. Um, it was a great throw. That dude. So that was not the guy that started like the last seven games last year. I think he's got a little bit of play intermittently, but I think that's that's the first time, and they were switching some guys out too. I think that's the biggest chunk of time he's had yeah. playing. Um, but it was good. I mean, his his stat sheet doesn't show, but again, like. First quarter and a half, he was the best quarterback on that field. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and, and sparked him in a big, big way. But the, yeah, just a complete tale of two halves, where it's like you know the first quarter and a half, they were Iowa was by far the inferior team in that ball game. In the second half, it's like it was not even a contest. I mean, that's kind of what we expected out of it. But again, I, that's weirdly encouraging, right? Yeah. Another <laughs> encouraging. Kind of you've come out that flat. And yeah. Figure it out. Another encouraging thing, and thanks to Hair Trigger in the comments that Hair brought Trigger's it up. Carrying the comments the last. When you lose time. Seth Benson and Jack Campbell, we talked about this. And you you don't worry about the linebackers. Nick Jackson had nine tackles and a sack. Um, Jay Higgins had nine tackles as well. And they're both leaders on this defense. So when you lose guys like that, or Jack's starting in the NFL right now, just it's it's really a blessing to be a Hawkeye fan when when you don't have to worry about you know just when you lose those players to the NFL. It's yeah. Um, Nick Jackson's expectations were high, even though he kind of got lost in the shuffle of Cade and Eric, and people were excited about Seth, rightfully so. Seth had a great reverse um, that Mike got great shots of, and it was 
commotion and chaos in the in the corner at the end. Of I the almost place. got murdered on the sideline from. <laughs> I saw. I saw you have to get. <laughs> we, we had a few close away. calls down there, uh, yeah. tucked in the corner of the end zone. But of course, this is a three-phase game. We've talked about offense and defense. Special teams, Tory had some great punts and there was some great punt coverage, but that moment from Ontario Thompson, transfer from Iowa Western, uh, prided to Dubuque Hempstead, just an all-time awesome moment. We talked about the, the joy that all the teammates had for when Max White mm-hmm. scored. Uh, such a cool moment for Ontario. Was very candid in, in post-game about how he got to Iowa. He said he really didn't take academics that seriously for a while and really need to, needed to straighten up, and so it was a great moment for him to be able to find his road to Iowa Western. Really cool to hear from Kirk as well after the game about just how in the world they, they found him and, and got him to Iowa City to put him in a place for a really special moment on special teams. But I've just been waiting for my uh, name to be called because I knew that I can impact this team in uh, many ways and they ended up putting me on special teams and my uh, quickness and my size, I just knew I can be back there and I knew I could make a play. And I knew the first one I missed, uh, I was close and I knew that I was going to get it the second time. I knew when the opportunity came back up, I knew I was going to make that play. Start with Ontario with the punt block, you know, just uh, a guy who's um, really doing some good things behind the scene. I think he's got a really good future here. So to see him involved, and that's probably not the position you would have uh, figured him, you know, being being uh, opportunistic. And so that was great to see. I think Kirk said they found him at a camp in Altoona. Like his old high school coach came up, like, "Hey, you need to take a look at this." And again, like that's those those camps and and just keeping eyes peeled and having local coaches come say, "Hey, take a look." Um, just just an awesome moment for him. So he was a guy that, again, kind of under the radar. One of those uh, transfer recruits was like. Boy, man, if he can get it together, yeah. like he'd be, he'd be fun. And uh, again, pointing to Mike's photo gallery online, uh, you have awesome shots of that first one that he almost blocked. To the Got point it pulled up. I was going to bring it I up. I don't real quick. know how he didn't block. We're trying to figure. out, How does he not block this? <laughs> okay, he's hugging the man. How does he not block this? Here's the first. Here's the first one, That's and an awesome they're a little uh, yeah. And then uh, second one, and then you can see the ball actually right here. Going. Somehow must yeah. have went on the oh. left side. It's, this is the yeah the first uh, one he didn't block. You but. know you think about weapons on special teams kind of being like the the outside guys coming in. It's rarely one of the interior dudes. Uh, clearly Ontario is <laughs> he's a weapon on the interior on special teams. I'm I'm very like uh, you know I'm I'm no Lavar Woods. I'm not very well versed when it comes to like special teams and scouting it and figuring it out. But it's like boy the punt game defense return game that they had yesterday. I would love to see something like that every game where it's like every single punt. They were freaking going after it. Like, they were going pump block every single time. And they weren't sacrificing anything for it because Cooper had some really nice returns. So it's like, that is like the perfect punt return scenario when you've got guys that are like, you know, just millimeters away from a punt block almost every single time, and Cooper's still getting, you know, 10 to 20 yards on the return. We that's, joke about punting as winning as a, as a fan base, but literally the punt game on both sides of <laughs> the entire thing, they downed it inside the five twice, really set them up poorly on those two drives where they downed it inside. Um, but yeah, and, and like you said, the pump block just makes you think, too, that the punter probably got something in his head after that first one. Mm. After that second block, you can tell the punts weren't going as far, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, TJ Hall and Devin Hilson had, uh, were fantastic on downfield coverage, mm-hmm. um, down on those punts. Um, again, TJ Hall, uh, reserve corner who showed out a little bit in that kid's day scrimmage as well. The long snapper, Luke Elkin, had the Elkin's punt awesome. that was long down at the one yard line. I mean, yeah. again, the guy who snaps it is, that's, that's a tough play this. to make yep. when you're and, the uh, long snapper. I, I got to shout out Devin Hilson again. The first D1 recruit from Des Moines North, he was, came in as a running back, was awesome running back at mm-hmm. North. Now he's a DB and is certainly making an impact. So awesome to see offense, defense, special teams. There is, of course, uh, a dark cloud, not unlike the ones we saw over. I'm stealing John Steppy's lead. That's what he, he wrote a story like that. I was like, oh, I thought I was creative. I just read something last night. Um, the tough news is that Luke Lachey is out. We don't know how long. We know that Kirk has said that that play right there is a, a significant injury. Um, we're going to find out. Oh, wow, I haven't seen this video. That's... It does not look it's, good. It sucks, man. Again, we talked last week about why, why are you smiling? Is it because it's Iowa State? No, I just like to smile. I'm a happy person. Um, just an awesome kid with, yeah, dude, this, he, forget about, again, the stats and his impact on the offense. Just an awesome young man mm-hmm. who carries himself so well. And He's a captain for a reason. He's a captain for a reason, and uh, it, it's tough when a guy like that takes the hit 
and uh, both Kirk and Cade, Cade borderline kind of emotional talking about it, just what that, uh, what that impact is going to mean. Unfortunately, uh, I hate to lose uh, Luke to an injury, and it's you know fairly significant. So we'll know more about that in a couple of days. They're they're assessing that, but uh, you know that's the one downside right there. You know, when one of your brothers goes down like that, it's horrible to see. And you know, we're all going to be praying for him. And it's just tough seeing your brother do that. Honestly, I did have uh, a friend who's a doctor that pointed out because my my first thought was like something I don't even want to speculate. Um, he said that it's probably there's probably not a break because it would be to let him kind of be on his own on crutches with like a fresh break hmm. probably wouldn't be the protocol. Um, so he thinks maybe it's some something that's torn. I mean that the ankle just got rolled up, and that's I mean that's the danger of football is that you're going to be rolling around and, and getting banged up. But again, we'll learn a little bit more about. Luke and and just how long that loss will be but of course this is tight end you we're going to find out just how deep it goes of course Eric all the the transfer from Michigan uh, had the two-point conversion catch there had another catch later in the game he's you know it's it's nice when your your co-starter at tight end is another all big 10 performer so he had a couple big ones but we've heard so much in the preseason about Steven Stilianos and Addison Ostranga who I think was supposed to there's Stilianos's first career catch um earlier in the game. Addison was probably a guy that had that route in the end zone that Caden missed mm-hmm. on uh, at Iowa State. But uh, another catch from Steve there, and then Addison had a couple of grabs as well. So they had targets. They had some good reps, and we're going to see their roles, obviously, out of necessity, evolve a little bit. Now, I wonder if, again, Hayden Large, who was a tight end at Dort, who's been playing fullback, I'm waiting for him to get more involved. I just want to see Hayden Large go off. I wonder if he kind of becomes your de facto fourth tight end now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about tight end use depth and, and what they can do because uh, I'm guessing we're not gonna see Luke for a little while. Yeah, I would be very surprised if we see him again this year. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I don't want to speculate or assume, but that you know, for me personally, would would surprise me. I mean, it is like just again, kind of fortuitously in the I on the Hawks show that we talked about this last week with John Steppy in here. Yeah, I asked him about the deepest part of Iowa's lineup, and he did say that yeah, that tight end room is like. You know, we we haven't had a chance to really see, you know, we associate Stiliano Sanostrango with like, oh, they're backups, they're second string guys. But it's like, dude, they would be like starting for sure on, you know, 90% of the teams in the country, I bet. Like those are legit, um, incredibly talented um, uh, tight ends. And Steven Stilianos has some Division One talent. You know, he's a senior. He played at Lafayette before. Yeah. Um, so it's like he's got a lot of experience out there. And um, so those guys are going to fill in. And I mean, the... The change will certainly be noticeable without Lachey out there. Lachey is like a lock to be an NFL draft he's pick, your leading receiver, um, yeah, everything. And so he, uh, you know, he's going to be missed, but like they'll they'll fill in nicely and they'll do a good job. I I didn't know how this works again. So you guys who have followed the Hawkeyes a lot longer than me will have to clear up clear this up. How does it work with captain stuff? Like, will Lachey still just be the captain all four games, or like if he's? Replaced? I think it depends on if he's. I think they've they've had injured captains before. Um, so I it doesn't guess we'll come to memory, so I, I'm I not we'll entirely sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's still yeah, the captain. Yeah, if he's able to be around the team, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's a captain. Or being the nice guy that he is, I don't know if he'd like back out and like nominate somebody. I don't know how it would work. Right. Um, like, I don't know. I mean, we'll just like... As- I mean, I don't know what his recovery or what he's going to have to do. Like, will he still travel with the team to all of their games? Like, will he be at Penn State and all that stuff? I don't know. I would, I would think just being who he is that he would travel. I remember, I'm pretty sure Ricky Stanzi, after he did his lower leg, I mean, he was at Ohio State the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, again, but that's, I'm referencing something from 14 years ago. I don't know how things change. <laughs> um, again, one of the storylines that kind of got swallowed up, which happens when you score 40 points and have so many cool moments, is that there was a weather delay. Nothing compared to Nevada, which everybody was claiming uh, or ex- exclaiming that they were just glad it wasn't anything like that delay in 2022, but they were uh, off the field for half an hour. There was lightning just within that eight-mile radius. Uh, they told Kinnick to evacuate. Nobody really did. They just <laughs> stayed in the stands. And <laughs> student section was playing like rose deep rock paper scissors. Some state troopers got involved too. Also mm-hmm. playing. It was a really really cool moment. I didn't I didn't go into the uh, the room. I just hung out because it was as nice weather as it had been all day. I was like, yeah. finally, it's a little cool out here. But uh, apparently, there was a very terrifying moment in the Iowa locker room at least according to Jay Higgins during that delay. 
Um, that's probably not going to believe me, but he was actually pretty calm. Um, I was expecting, I've been here for a while, so I was uh, I was expecting a little different Coach Parker, but I don't know. He's been laid back this year. That's scary. <laughs> it is, because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. You don't be the guy that gives up the play that's coming. So Jay was talking about Phil Parker has didn't have like any big blowups or anything during the the time in the locker room. Again, I was struggling defensively at that point, and then said like all season like he's kind of been. And I I've noticed him on the sidelines. I had a couple of ISO shots where he was just kind of like pensive, just kind of taking it in. You're like, oh, you're like what what is boiling inside Phil Parker? Um, it's funny because during the kids' day, I, I heard some colorful language coming from him uh, during during the scrimmage. If you are, if you are near that sideline. Um, Phil expresses himself. <laughs> Wouldn't change anything because whatever he's doing is working. Yeah. But um, yeah, just a just a fun moment there. The other thing that came up, and there were a few questions. Again, there were so many things to talk about after yesterday. Uh, good things that the the delay kind of got forgotten about in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Um, Mason Richmond was also asked about uh, how they spent the time. They didn't again didn't have nearly as much time as against Nevada, or they're you know doing their taxes and playing cards and <laughs> filling the time however they can. But um, he had an interesting observation Mason Richmond did about what they did during their break and what they maybe saw from Western afterwards. The lightning delay, I mean, what, what did you say or what could you do at that point? Uh, we said just eat and drink water. And honestly, like just because you saw on their side, they had cramps all over the place. So I'm like sitting there like these guys didn't eat. Like, what do you eat? Uh, I don't know. Maybe me and Doc like split a sandwich or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, you don't want to overeat because sometimes you go out there and you're like, gosh, I can't do anything right now. So. The great irony here is that uh, what was the word on the bumper plate? <laughs> Western, Western Michigan. Michigan had eat on their bumper plate, yeah. Yep. And that's what they should have been doing. <laughs> that's their, like, slogan. I was talking to you on Thursday yeah. or Wednesday, and all their tweets say, like, eat. And they have, like, they posted a, a photo of one of their players in a cornfield, and then last week they did it with a bunch of oranges. So <laughs> a little interesting. I dig it. it. I'm, I'm into this yeah. team slogan. It, it used to be Row, obviously, when Fleck was there and I was covering them. Uh, they still have the Ghost Bronco logo, which is a big switch there. But, um, yeah, a pair, eat and drink if you're ever in a weather delay, and that way you won't cramp up and you can hang 40 on Western Michigan. <laughs> uh, again, it, it felt for a little bit there in the first quarter that maybe – and, and Kirk pointed this out on Tuesday that media was already talking about, oh, it's two weeks until Penn State now. And there was maybe some overlooking of mm -hmm. Western Michigan. Of course, we have fully established Kirk Ferentz does not overlook Western Michigan. He's finally 500 against them. They've hung 100 points on them those last two games. But uh, players after the game kind of acknowledged as much that this would, could very easily have gone down a little more if there wasn't a proper response. And that uh, that slow start could have really... Uh, snowballed, but it sounds like they were well aware and, and handled themselves accordingly. You know, these games are sometimes trap games for a lot of teams out there. You know, it's happened already in the first couple of weeks. These are the kind of games that if you go out there and sleepwalk, you know, you're not going to be able to handle it. So I was really proud of our guys and the way that we responded, you know, to that first touchdown they had. But um, defense stepped up, offense, special teams all around the board. It was a great game. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, kind of in a way this was a trap game, you know, because we everyone is pretty aware of, you know, the Big Ten – the Big Ten games are the most important. You know, we got to win those if we want to have any kind of success. And that takes us into Penn State week. No more overlooking. The week is here. Uh, again, that game is going to be on CBS 2. Um, what a night a night game. It's going to be a, a, maybe one of the premier games in the country mm -hmm. next year. We don't have the uh, – let me refresh. Still waiting for the AP Top 25 to come out. The new one. Oh, it is out. Uh, Iowa has jumped to – this is live breaking. Da, 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 da. Uh, That's literally in the last two seconds because I I just checked. They're 24th. The They've gone up one. The coaches poll 22nd. They jumped uh, two where, spots. Where did Penn State go to? Penn State is seven. now. And the coaches still poll. Seven, still seventh after that win. So Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Texas number three, Florida State four. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of unchanged. Oregon jumps three to ten. Where's Colorado? Colorado, Colorado drops one after losing or uh, beating Jay Norvell's uh, squad there at Colorado State, former Iowa player. Uh, so Iowa will head to Happy Valley, 24th in the country, 3-0. and And uh, lots to dissect there, of course, throughout the week. But we should uh, look back. I was so excited to share my good week of Big Ten West picks, and now I need to uh, 
eat some crow for taking some big swings, some big, big swings uh, this past Saturday. Ooh, that's a lot of red. I don't want to my own horn, but I'm the big winner uh, for this week uh, on the pick'em. I went six and one. Only game I missed was the Northern Illinois game, which uh, I told Mitch before we started recording, I only picked them because I was like, oh, I picked all the winners. I can't do that. So then um, I I I picked all the losers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Mitch went two and five, brings his record to 9-11. Owen went four and three, brings, and we're tied overall for the season, 12 and eight. I'm that own six start is gonna <laughs> haunt me for the rest of the season. Um, Illinois gave gave a fight against Penn State a little bit. Um, we'll we'll get into that a little more coming up Tuesday, Wednesday once we've talked to the guys about everything. But um, yeah, minute uh, Wisconsin boy, that was a wild one. I mean, uh, a lot of these games, with you know, we're not we're in doubt for a while until there were some fourth quarter covers. Yeah. Penn State and Wisconsin, Georgia um, Southern. Yeah, they, they win that game pretty handily. That's infuriating for me just as a picker who didn't even put any money on that game. I'm like, you had a 14-7 I'm, lead in the third quarter and you still get, can't even you know cover that. I'm not spread. betting on these things either. This is just pride. Uh, Minnesota, <laughs> um, that was tough. Uh, Cadillac Manis, I know I talked to him a lot, up him a lot in the, the preseason. He, he had another... Rough day in terms of completion percentage, and again, Drake May is just going to do his thing with UNC's uh, offense. Really impressive against uh, what I still consider to be a pretty stout Minnesota defense. And Darius Taylor had a big day on the ground for the Gophers. Uh, boy, I thought Northwestern could hang a little bit more with Duke. Um, Duke Nerd Bowl. Looking like <laughs> Duke looking like the real deal, despite Mike's uh, Mike's attack <laughs> against the academic community. Uh, Nebraska at home again against uh, Rocky Lombardi in Northern Illinois. Uh, Boy, Purdue, I don't know what to Did think Did you guys about. see Nebraska didn't play Jeff Sims yesterday? I don't know if you mentioned that. Didn't. He didn't play a snap. Uh, I don't remember who Did I was looking. Did Purdy play or was it the? It wasn't Purdy. It was the other one. The other guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I am like, I, I kind of, I don't know. Even though Nebraska, you know, covered and won that game comfortably, I'm like, I really don't know if these guys are actually going to be you know, any you have it out here. against the Huskies yeah. for some undocumented I, 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 reason. I, just don't like I really thought that they were gonna, you know, Calb ever do to you. <laughs> no, I, I really thought that Nebraska would be potentially back this season, and maybe they'll turn it around once the Big Ten play starts. But I've really been unimpressed with what I've seen in Nebraska under Matt Rule so far. Yeah, uh, we'll see. And again, Purdue um, had some not high hopes, but you know, I thought Card would get in there and, and do some good things. But yeah, one and two heading to uh, hosting Wisconsin. On Friday night, that's one of the Big Ten West matchups we'll pick do, coming up on Wednesday. Do you guys? I mean, has it? Would you say it's been a uh, disappointing non-conference season for the Big Ten? Like, I don't know where this where this conference Overall, would rank and the just yeah as the conference. Yeah, I mean, because you got a lot of teams. You know, Minnesota lost yesterday. Um, it, I mean, still Ohio Ohio State. It looks like they've figured some stuff out. Michigan's moseyed right along. It seems like the games they've lost, they were underdogs in. And I think the SEC having a poor um, non-conference schedule uh, results so far Mm -hmm. really has taken... The best conference in the the country. Yeah, I mean, this this time of the season every year, it seems like the Big Ten is losing the games against the MAC and and non-conference games. But it's the SEC this year that is is not having a a great year. So I think that kind of taken the heat off of the, you know, other conferences. Sure. Michigan State what got worked yesterday by Washington. Washington's really good. Gary Trigger says Altmyer had four INTs and a fumble. We didn't get to watch that game. We were at Kinnick at the time, but um, I did record it. Hopefully, I can see what they got. But uh, that's not a, not protecting the football. Not great. Illinois hosts Florida Atlantic. They're uh, still out of the non-con. Yeah, Altmyer seven picks now uh, in his first season in wow. Champaign. Rutgers heads to Michigan. Maryland goes to Michigan State. Nebraska will host Louisiana Tech, another non-con there. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, that's a big one. That's, uh, mm. boy, Sam Hartman's got that Irish offense humming. 1,000 yards passing, 13 touchdowns already. He is, he is something. It isn't Big Ten, but I'm, I'm really excited to watch Oregon in Colorado. I don't know if you guys stayed up for that Colorado-Colorado yeah. State game. We had some oh, comments. Yeah. Um, it was a wild game. I kept falling asleep, and I woke up to watch the double <laughs> overtime game because yeah. – I, mean, I think I fell asleep when they were down like by two scores, and then I woke up. It was double overtime. I'm like, what in the, <laughs> what in the same hell? Um, 
but you meant to say Hill, and you said, oh. yeah, Sam Hill. <laughs> you made it more sweary. <laughs> I don't know why you had to do that. Oh boy! <laughs> and of course, you got Iowa at Penn State. What a game that's going to be. Uh, tickets as low as two hundred nine dollars there at University Park Beaver Stadium. Akron goes to Indiana, so you got a few Big Ten teams still in the non-con, and then Minnesota, another Big Ten West matchup, going to Northwestern. We'll see if the Gophers can bounce back from their first loss of the season. Uh, boy, we're starting to get into thick of it now. This is where it gets. This is where the fun begins, to quote uh, Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker, what a resurgence the Chosen One is having, thanks to Ahsoka streaming on Disney Plus, not an ad, but a lot of fun there. Mike's a big fan. Mike's a big fan of all this stuff. Love Star uh, Wars. It's Hey, it's great. I love it. I just didn't watch any more of the cartoons. I should have. Anyways, we'll focus more on football and less on Hayden Christensen's acting career. Watch Shattered Glass as well. Uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday on Eye on the Hawks, we'll get our... Get our talks with the players and Coach Ferens on Tuesday. We'll bring everything to you in that pregame show on Wednesday. Of course, the TV side as well. So thanks to everybody who's been watching, liking, subscribing, downloading, however you're consuming it. Much obliged. Keep it up. We will see you on Penn State Week coming up on Wednesday on Eye on the Hawks.